0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, May 20th. Every year, a number of Moabites injure themselves doing the activities that brought them here. It can be hard, paying for medical bills and possibly dealing with trauma. But there's a growing number of options for help, from grants to therapists dedicated to post-accident trauma. Justin Higginbottom has more.
1: Hunter Kessler has been in Moab for around four years. How he ended up here is a familiar story.
2: I mean, I came here by chance, but I stayed because of the opportunity to have such an amazingly beautiful place to recreate in.
1: I'm sitting with Kessler off Main Street. We're hiding from the wind. Last year, while canyoneering in Dead Horse State Park, he fell.
2: Between 35 and 40 feet in a canyoneering accident, where some of the equipment failed, partially due to complacency and partially due to a freak accident.
1: He spent nearly three weeks in a hospital in Grand Junction. He's showing me the helmet from the fall.
2: That's the, there some of the blood left, and the strap is all bloody still. It's my battle helmet now.
1: Although at first he thought he had only chipped a tooth, it turned out to be a lot worse.
2: I hyper-compressed my tibia into my foot, and I broke every bone in my face except for my mandible. The jaw, lower jaw.
1: Luckily Kessler had health insurance, and as is often the case here, the community rallied to help. There was a GoFundMe campaign, and his employers at GearHeads and Paddle Moab chipped in. But recovery was hard.
2: It's really hard to not be able to go out and communicate with the desert like I usually do. Like, my way of talking and being with the desert is to canyoneer and getting out there and exploring these canyons and kind of getting to these places that other people don't typically go to unless they have the technical skills or the true want to be there. And I I feel like with this injury... I'm a little afraid that cannoneering won't be valid for me anymore and I won't be able to do the sport
1: anymore. Landon Magali is an athlete with the High Fives Foundation and knows at least somewhat how Kessler feels. He broke his back mountain biking in 2010 when he was 15
3: years old. My whole life leading up to that very second I hit the ground, my only real plan in life was to be a professional mountain
1: biker. He thought the accident would cut him off from the outdoors. Equipment that would help, like a sit ski, is expensive.
3: You know, my whole winter was I was gonna probably be inside having nothing to do while all my friends were out skiing. By chance, he came across
1: the High Fives Foundation. That organization provides grants to those injured in mountain sports. Funds cover things like medical expenses and therapy.
3: And then on the more fun side of things, we're able to do stuff like sit skis, adaptive mountain bikes. Basically the whole purpose of it is just to give people the best life that they can have post life-changing injury.
1: They hooked him up with a sit ski and he was able to return to the mountains. Magali says this kind of support is growing. He was the High Fives Foundation's ninth athlete. He says they now have over 500, including 20
3: in Utah. For me on a personal level, I'm able to connect with someone when they're very early in their injury and don't know what life's going to be like. I've been through that. I know how scary it is.
1: Psychological support is also growing. Erin Phelps is a therapist in Washington. She works with adventure athletes.
4: There's starting to be a lot more conversation within the groups of high-risk adventure athletes about the need for therapy or about what trauma looks like, what trauma is, what PTSD is. Um, So I think there's starting to be a lot of questions within um, the individuals themselves who then maybe are seeking out counseling more than they have in the past.
1: She specializes in something called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. That's a technique used to relieve stress from trauma. Phelps notes that people experience accidents differently.
4: Two people could go through the exact same situation, and one of them could walk away feeling traumatized by it, but the other person might walk away feeling fine about it.
1: She works with climbers, mountaineers, backcountry skiers.
4: The other group that I really started this work with was winged athletes. So skydivers, space jumpers, um, speed flyers paragliders. So that was kind of my first recognition or awareness that there was this population that needed that needed services.
1: Base jumping tragedy is something the Moab community experiences regularly. Two jumpers have died just this year in the area. Phelps has advice for those participating in high-risk activities.
4: And so just making sure that you are in charge, not your obsession or not your fear. And that if you're doing something, that you're doing it because it feels really good in your body to do it. That it's something that brings you a lot of joy to do.
1: Meanwhile, Kessler counts himself lucky.
2: I mean, everyone goes through their trauma differently, especially with these outdoor sports. And I guess I'm just in a position that I have a, a good support crew like everyone else in the lab does.
1: He's returned to the canyon since his fall. He says surprisingly, the hardest part is trusting his equipment again.
2: It was a very challenging mental thing to do, but I did accomplish it, and I know I have to do at least one more canyon, which is where I fell, before I stopped for a little while, and then I'm gonna face it one more time, and I'm either gonna I'm gonna put it down for the summer and see where I am after that. But he wants others to know that healing is possible. I hope people that do get really messed up out here can have the opportunity to get back out and do the sports to allow themselves to still like experience and play in the desert.
1: He's still figuring out his medical bills, but he's already planning to raise money to help others recover financially after an accident and to provide the community with safety equipment. Justin Higginbottom for CaseyMU News.
0: This week, the FDA announced emergency measures to get more baby formula on the market. A nationwide shortage is affecting parents and their children across the country, including southeastern Utah. On Sunday, City Market's Moab location began limiting formula purchases to four items per customer. Managers there began noticing a decline in shipments of the product roughly two weeks ago. Vanessa Grisham lives in Monticello. She travels an hour to Cortez, Colorado for groceries. She also noticed the formula shortage a few weeks back.
5: I went to Cortez and there was nothing on the shelf. And that, like, made me concerned because we live in, like, in a small little area.
0: Grisham is a mother of an 18-month-old. Although she breastfeeds her child, her sister has young twins and supplements their feeding with formula. She describes the situation as...
5: Scary. Like, very scary. Like... We don't know if you're going to be able to feed your kid that
0: day. President Joe Biden this week established Operation Fly Formula, which directs federal agencies to import formula from abroad. The administration has secured the first shipment, but questions remain over distribution. An FDA spokesperson told Congress that it will take a few weeks for formula availability to get back to normal. They said rural areas are facing the worst problems. Families with young children are in a tough position. Grisham in Monticello found herself able to help. She says she produces more breast milk than her child needs.
5: I was about to stop pumping and only nurse my kid until he weans himself off of it. But now that this formula shortage, I want to keep pumping and keep storing milk and seeing if anyone does need it.
0: Like other mothers across the country, she listed her breast milk on social media, once her post went up on Moab classified ads, she got a lot of messages.
5: Yeah, I already had someone ask me if I can send it to Arkansas and like other states, and I wish I could, but I, we don't have that much dry ice and stuff in Monticello. We have none.
0: Ongoing supply chain disruptions have fueled shortages on a wide range of consumer goods, but the lack of baby formula can also be tied to the closure of a big U.S. manufacturing plant that reportedly supplied as much as one-fifth of all infant formula in the country. The FDA gave the plant clearance to reopen this week, but it will take time for product to hit the shelves. While the shortage continues, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine recommends caution when using anyone's breast milk other than your own. They say do not secure breast milk on the internet from anyone you are not familiar with or completely trust. Instead, they recommend certified human milk banks. Grisham considered donating to a milk bank, but decided to just put it out there.
5: Every person that messaged me that after I put it on Facebook, I would tell them I do take my prenatals. I am up to date on my shots. I don't drink and I don't smoke just so they can have that feeling of comfort that they're going to have good milk.
0: So far, she's given away nearly 400 ounces of breast milk to families. She's hoping the shortage ends soon. But until then, she says she'll keep pumping. And now let's head to the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. Wabi Sabi Thrift Store is celebrating 20 years in the Moab community. As Doug McMurdo of the Times Independent explains, they do a lot more than thrift, including supporting other nonprofits in our local area. The
6: headline is just so accurate, and the headline is a quote, much more than a a thrift store. Wabi Sabi, as uh, most of us know, is uh, Japanese and it means um, finding beauty and imperfection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of imperfect things at Wabi Sabi. And I think that there's something for everyone there. It's a a vision of Sarah Bauman, Mm -hmm. the the founder, and um, she struggled to get it going. And once it did get going, it took on a life of its own, a life that she believes could only happen in Moab. Mm -hmm. It's a big thing, 20 years um, in Moab and 20 years of helping nonprofits and uh, keeping the community going. It's Sophia's story, full of great quotes, and she talks to um, just about everybody who works at the store and uh, has worked at the store and, of course, Sarah and uh, customers, and it's just a really good story about a really good organization
0: proceeds from, you know, the thrift store are often allocated to nonprofits. They have nonprofit partners, they have a grant, they've had a grant program yep. that they do. They also, you know, have you know, voucher programs to help people in need.
6: Big Thanksgiving dinner. The big
0: Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. I know, like the list goes on and yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs>
6: it sure does. It sure does.
0: Well, congratulations to Wabi Sabi for its 20th year. Um, where else do you want to take us in the paper, uh, Doug? As
6: we speak, the uh, new substance abuse clinic at Moab Regional Hospital is opening. Grand County, in large measure, was able to avoid for a while the, the ravages of the opioid epidemic. Now Grand County's numbers are starting to pick up. Um, We've had quite a few obituaries in the mm-hmm. last couple of years of uh, young people who yeah. have lost their lives to this uh, disorder. So it's going to open it's pretty big deal. It's uh, outpatient. Obviously insurance is accepted. However, you're not going to be turned away mm-hmm. if you don't have insurance or if you're underinsured. Right. There's programs in place to make sure that you get the help that you need.
0: It's a very big deal for the Moab community to have this substance uh, use um, disorder clinic um, to help people towards recovery. I know Moab Regional Hospital did a panel on the center and frequently asked questions. I know because I moderated it. If anybody has um, you know, lingering questions about what it's going to look like in the day-to-day, that's at the Moab Regional Hospital Facebook page.
6: Good information. Kudos to Moab Regional for being responsive to the community's needs.
0: Next, Doug, I'm hoping you can highlight another article in the Times Independent about Curtis Wells.
6: Curtis Wells, he was one of two conservative members of the Grand County Council uh, a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. and he has been, uh, will be appointed rather next month in June by Governor Spencer Cox to chair the Permanent Community Impact Fund Board. Hmm. CIB is what it's uh, known colloquially, uh, wide and far. This is a a big deal um, to have somebody from Grand County appointed to this position. The law changed. Uh, It used to be be, you had to be an an elected official. Um, The legislator made a a change to that law, and that's no longer a requirement. And uh, I I did get a quote from Governor Cox on this appointment, and um, he did mention that Curtis has proven to be a collaborator. And he has. He played a big part in our parking issues. He was part of a committee. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a conservative member on a a very uh, progressive county council. And um, he was at odds with uh, his colleagues on that council pretty much nonstop, but he did prove to be willing to compromise and willing to work across the aisle. If you, if there were an aisle uh, on the county council at the time, he was willing to to cross it and and work with the, the other side. So. Um, Chris Baird mentioned it's a big deal to have a local Grand County resident on this CIB board, and just to give people an idea of how it benefits us, mm-hmm. it's for mineral resource development. The mm-hmm. fees, the the right. fees that um, people that drill on federal lands pay, they don't pay taxes to the local government. They do mm-hmm. pay lease lease fees to the federal government, and the federal government in turn gives a portion of those fees to the CIB. Mm-hmm. The CIB, in turn, doles it out to communities mm-hmm. that that request it. And just um, three things that uh, Chris Baird reminded me of uh, when I interviewed him about this, the Jackson Street Project. Mm-hmm. They got $447,000 grant and a $909,000 loan for zero interest or 1% interest. Mm-hmm. Um, very low interest rate, which allowed that project to go forward. Mm-hmm. They gave uh, Grand County EMS a million dollar grant and I think a 3.4 million low mm-hmm. interest loan for their new building, which is um, 100 million percent better than, than <laughs> where they were before. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they've got a really nice facility now, mm-hmm. so that was a big deal. And finally, the uh, fire department. Uh, was able to get a little over five hundred thousand in a combination grant and loan uh, to order a new fire engine. CIB um, really provides a vital service to counties, cities, mm-hmm. and towns where mineral resource development occurs.
0: Like all the projects you outlined, you know, EMS, essential services like fire roads, I know our MRAC center too, like right. community development. Um, it is really notable to me that the CIB has itself, the board itself, has come under several different you know, controversies for funding. The CIB is meant to use those mineral leasing dollars to offset development. And they've funded projects that um, critics say will further development. So right. therein lies the controversy with this board.
6: Well, and and yeah. that goes to another story we have inside, and that's uh, SITLA. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. uh, there's a big SITLA story on the inside that Sophia did, and that's um, more on the land swap. They're going to hire, a, the county is going to hire a lobbyist to uh, represent its interest, uh, defend its interest, uh, as SITLA tries to get thousands of additional acres of Grand County uh, land in exchange for giving up uh, land at Bears Ears, near Bears Ears. So the legislature on Tuesday had an important vote, you know, moving this forward. You know, you talk about a government entity that uh, seems to have omnipotent um, power and constantly surrounded by controversy, it's Sitla, but it's going to be interesting how this occurs, you know, Dave Yer, the, the former uh, head of Sitla, he wasn't really popular with a whole lot of people, I, I believe, mainly because he was just um, too abrupt in his language. Mm-hmm. Um, just very off-putting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle McConkie, I think she'll be more uh, diplomatic than, than Dave was. So maybe that uh, will help things move along. If, if there can be some good faith demonstrated on both sides, maybe maybe Grant County doesn't get dinged as hard as it, as it could.
0: Doug McMurdo, editor of the Times Independent. Subscription information and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. With an eye on local pollinator populations, Moab's Bee-Inspired Gardens group is hopeful to get the program buzzing back to life. Allison Hartford of the Moab Sun News has more from their coverage.
7: The Moab Bee-Inspired Gardens project was basically founded to help Moab residents and businesses transform their landscapes into bee-friendly spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, And all you need to do to get your yard, whether you're a business or a resident, like all you need to do to get it officially certified is just have three different flowering plants in bloom in the spring summer and fall and so there are these approved gardens like all over town there are 13 local like entities that have transformed their landscapes into these mm-hmm. official bee gardens including the library um canyon Field institute the moab charter school and the archway Inn too and then the project also successfully registered dozens of residential gardens
0: and these are gardens that like you said they support pollinators. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have to have um, certain plants that do that throughout the year.
7: Right. So I talked to Rosalind McCann, who is the founder of the project, um, and she's also an associate professor and sustainable community specialist. And she said that the city of Moab itself is home to over 500 native bee species. Because what happened in the desert is that instead of bees evolving into this one bee species mm-hmm. that can do it all with all of our plants, mm-hmm. um, they kind of all got really specific, and so we have all these different types of plants that can only survive under certain circumstances, and they can also only be pollinated mm-hmm. by these really specific pollinators. I was really curious about the project because it seems like it's been kind of in limbo during COVID, and when I was mm-hmm. talking to Roslyn, she kind of said the same thing. Mm-hmm. The years went on after it was founded in 2013, and the project was gaining a lot of momentum. They have a lot of partnerships with local stakeholders like Terra Sophia and the Resiliency Hub and Mm -hmm. Wild Landscapes Nursery. But then the pandemic hit and then Roslyn also had a baby. Mm -hmm. And so the project just kind of ground to a halt.
0: That's so classic in Moab where you
7: have, you know, a few people who get a project off the ground, but Mm -hmm.
0: that needs those, you know, key people to keep it going. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
7: So Roslyn said, that kind of ground to a halt situation is the one that they're still a little bit in. And things were picking up speed because they were talking to the former sustainability director, Mila Dunbar-Irwin, but Dunbar-Irwin just left her position Mm -hmm. position Mm mid-April. And so Rosalind was saying she really hopes the project will be able to start up again soon, especially because pollinator populations are continuing to fall there are a lot of species that are in decline and according to the utah pollinator pursuit which is an insect conservation group um these species are threatened by the use of pesticides warming climate and a lack of floral resources Mm and nesting sites so the project you know was
0: trying to counter that sounds like Mm -hmm. they hit a few roadblocks during the pandemic for various reasons right um but you know i remember when it was like kind of at its height people Mm -hmm. were like how how do i become a Inspired garden, like how do I do this? So, where's that level of integration right now?
7: Yeah, so it's actually you can still get a sign, and it's relatively easy to become. Um, a bee inspired garden. The project is mostly just trying to show people that you can still have a lawn that's beautiful Mm -hmm. that's not just like grass space because just having a grass lawn there's no place for pollinators to Mm -hmm. do their jobs. There's no place for them to nest. There's nothing that any native species can use to build a healthy habitat for themselves Mm -hmm. and so this project is just wanting to show people that you can have flowers and you can have this like native yard and it's still going to be beautiful mm-hmm. and it's also going to be really helpful to the native bees.
0: Anything else to mention about the project or where it is? You know, it sounds like their efforts are at least Roslyn at um, USU wants to keep it going.
7: Yeah, so they have a website. It's beeinspired.usu.edu. Um, and on the website, you can still sign up to get a sign. And there's a lot of resources for bee-friendly and Utah native plants.
0: Also in the and News, there's an article about someone in
7: our community who won a pretty big national award. The Moab BLM Law Enforcement Officer Cody Marsh received a national award. Um, He was named the 2021 Ranger of the Year. So why was he named Ranger of the Year? And
0: I want to emphasize that this is not like a state award. This is of all the rangers in the U.S.
7: Right. Yeah. So he works in both Grand and San Juan counties. Um, And he acts as, like, the face of the BLM, and he interacts with visitors, um, and he also focuses on safety, education, and prevention, um, and he addresses violations in the field. And so the, like, national BLM public affairs specialist said that he is highly effective and productive in his job. Quote, he patrols the public lands managed by the field office by vehicle, foot, bicycle, UTV, and dirt bike, and continuously discovers and addresses field-level resource violations. He manages his time to ensure that he can do it all. So he said he really likes the variety and challenge of the job when the monolith happened. um, He was one of the people who went to monitor the impacts of the area, um, and he said it was really interesting. And then he also said that his favorite aspect of the job is the opportunity to help people. Mm. Um, He loves being able to respond and assist with like Grand County Search and Rescue and the Grand County EMS. Um, And he also said he really likes answering visitor questions and just helping people get oriented to the area.
0: Finally, the Moab Sun News has a profile of an event that's coming up, the Arts Festival.
7: Yeah, so the Moab Arts Festival is returning. Um, The last Arts Festival was in 2019, so it's had this kind of two-year pandemic hiatus. But it's coming back now, and everyone's really excited. I talked to Chrissy Noel Kinslow, who's the children's Um, art activities coordinator, and she called the arts festival the grandmother of all art in Moab. The grandmother. So there's going to be some new
0: activities I've heard, um, some old favorites. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some highlights from, yeah, from what they've got planned?
7: Yeah, so Kinslow is planning a bunch of new stuff for the children's area of the festival. Um, This year there'll be a paint-by-numbers mural, an art show. Um, Kids are encouraged to have vendor booths They'll have a talent stage and a poetry slam. Music also? Yeah. The Arts Festival is all-encompassing. There's like this children's piece, and then there's food and live music and artists. um, The live music that weekend includes the Dave Stewart Jazz Quartet, the Fiery Furnace Marching Band... Cozy Sheridan, Juniper Drive, and the local bluegrass band, Quicksand Soup. So they're expecting over 50 artists, including 15 local artists, like the illustrator Holly Williams, um, jewelry maker Molly McGovern, illustrator Jess Hugh, and the painter Riley Lubick. It'll run on Saturday, May 28th, and Sunday, May 29th at Swanee City Park. Allison Hartford,
0: staff writer at the Moab Sun News subscription information and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. And that's the weekly newsreel, where we get the latest from reporters about their most recent stories of the Moab area. Find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes of the news on our website, kzmu.org, or wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.